Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Dev. I'm Dan. Thank you for joining us on our journey to become better, braver, happier painters. And I'm Mike. In this episode, we're going to chat about the most recent uh, National Capital Model Soldier Society show that Dan and I attended, as well as what we have on our painting tables, uh, things that we've learned, and anything new that has kind of piqued our interest. So before we do that, um, hey, Mike, uh, we're both like data guys, right? Mm -hmm. So I ran across this stupid article before we get into the really cool stuff. I think Dev's um, a data guy too, by the way. Oh, he is? Okay. <laughs> hey, Dev, Dev is also. Um, so um, in this one particular uh, news uh, site, they were talking about causes of death. So um, normally I'm like, okay, but being kind of older, uh, I might look at some of this stuff. And because of the episode we did a couple months ago, might want to look at it. So I was looking at this not as a human, but as a data processor. And it dawned on me reading this that there is a person that sits in my seat who tracks the number of people that die a year. And I think that's just kind of weird looking at it from my perspective because I'm like, oh, they're tracking the number of deaths. And they said that the number of deaths went up. I mean, the end result is still going to be 100%, but they're tracking the percentage of people that are dying. I get that. But then they're like, hey, people over the age of 85 have the highest mortality rate. So it just made me think a little bit like, wow, um, I enjoy what I do, but this would be kind of interesting to say, yeah, you know, uh, you know, most really, really old people are going to pass away. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was kind of weird. So that's totally unrelated to any of our painting stuff we're going to talk about today. But it just dawned on me while I was waiting for Mike to finish what he was doing. Um, so I was wasting some time. So with that, we're going to pass this back to Dev. <laughs> I mean, I've got to I got to carry on on that for a second. So what right. you're telling me <laughs> is that it's not like the cigarettes and the alcohol and, and the living fast. It's actually time that's going to kill me. And I should really just like figure out the no, I would, I, no i passed by and i didn't look at the top 10 i mean i did look at the top 10 and it's what you would expect it to do um without getting into politics and covid be a number three killer um but most of it is just stuff that we were kind of you know that we're aware of you know heart disease um um and I'm, i don't have it in front of me so yes all the bad things that happen to you over the years uh will kill you uh, i just i guess it's a matter of when it will finally get to you uh, I just think it's kind of odd that someone is tracking like the ages that people are passing away and having to have the explanation point being on the older, older generation of folks that we have. I mean, 85 is pretty damn old, I believe. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering why did they set that as a marker to look at. Um, but then um, what was the other stat that was kind of funny, but I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> that's just me yeah i see what you mean yeah and 85 is like a, a more arbitrary number when you emphasize it like that what i'm actually meant to be asking though is what is this ncmcscscscs <laughs> thing 
I don't even know what it is. Mike, what is it? <laughs> so it's the National Capital Model Soldier Society, NCMSS. And uh, every year around this, this time, they have their annual show. And I believe this is the 65th or 66th annual show. Um, they actually did two virtual shows over COVID too, which was actually, they were awesome. Um, they turned out really, well, really, really well um, for the lack of quality adjectives. Um, but uh, so every year they put on the show and um, each year they're pushing harder and harder. Uh, it started out as a historical group. Um, our motto, Dan and I are both members of this group. Our, our The motto is the preservation of history through art. Um, and so they kind of started that, that historical side, but they kind of realized that, you know, times are changing. There are a lot of, there are not as many historical painters out there and they've opened up to with open arms to fantasy Gundam tabletop gaming, uh, non, any form of non-historical pieces. And so, um, it's just been actually, actually, uh, a fascinating journey with them because I kind of struggled at the very beginning, like five years ago when I joined, cause I felt like, I, you know, they were really having a hard time accepting non, uh, historical painters. That is no, that's, that is not the case. And they open openly embrace, uh, artists from, different, all different genres, even if people showed up with, uh, well, people show up with model trains all the time, um, that they do. And so we just want to keep the group growing and keep it growing. Blah. I can speak the English. Um, but basically, uh, Dan and I took part in the show. The first thing we're going to jump right to this. Dan actually had multiple entries into the show. It was wonderful into his, into the painting contest. And so I was really excited. Yeah, I just dusted off a bunch of things and uh, <laughs> threw them in there to see what would happen. Well, that's uh, not true. You painted it. the Snowtrooper was brand new. Oh, yeah. You know, and I still don't have a picture of that. I, I have I have pictures of, of the process, but I don't have pictures, I don't think, of it uh, of it done. Um, but, hey, I have a question, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, Model Soldier Society, are there other ones or is this it? Is this the only one? There, I'm sure there are other ones, um, different groups around the country. This is this is the national capital um, model social. It's not like IPMS that has chapters all over the place. See, However, and that's what I was wondering. Okay. The huh. difference is, though, is that so every month on the last Wednesday, we have a physical in-person meeting, but every month they also have a Zoom meeting. It is an international group at this point. They actually, uh, when they have the Zoom meetings, they have people from Scotland and England and Germany who all came across the club from the online painting competition from the virtual show that have now joined. And so it's actually really kind of cool that people that, and um, so it's really common in this area. There's actually in our area, uh, kind of a big name painter is getting ready to move, is actually literally driving his way here now, um, who is active duty military. And part of that process of getting promoted is getting assigned to the Pentagon or to one of the bases in the area. And so um, there's a lot of people that come through this area and we try to incorporate them as they come in as well so they can be a part of it. And they, a lot of times they do their duty here and then are assigned somewhere else in the two to four years. 
but they stay a part of the membership of the club because they can come to the online meetings and show off their work, et cetera, and such. And so, um, yeah, we're really excited that I'm the, I'm, I'm really going to hardcore push to get Steven Garcia to join the club because he's getting ready to, he's on his way moving here, literally on a cross country trip. If you follow him on Instagram. Um, and so, so I, don't think... I have, a, I have a question for you about it. So obviously there's a, a competition um, mm -hmm. and it sounded like it was open judging. Yes, it is gold, Great. silver, bronze. Yep. Cool. So um, I'm kind of curious. It sounds already like it's much more uh, aligned with what we think of as miniature painting rather than the IPMS like scale modeling mm -hmm. side of things uh, in terms of uh, how to uh, competitions are run is it also true in terms of how they're judged is it more heavily focused on the painting the shading the highlighting the realism or the artistic interpretation than the the accuracy and the specificity of the build like it tends to be with with ipms judging i think in the world of historical side in the historical competition um it is moving more figure paintery uh, like what we're we're used to. Um, for example, one of our friends, I, I think that you might have met Zach at uh, Nova Open. He was one of the judges on historical. And so I know he is thinking of shades and highlights. And he and I constantly have that conversation um, after looking at historicals. Like, I understand how accurate this is, but some contrast would be nice. You know, and I, that that's a... I, that's a horrible way of me saying it because th there are amazing historical painters out there. Um, but uh, I know for a fact that the figure painters, because Dan and I judged the, f the fantasy figures, uh, those were definitely looked at the painting, the shading, the highlights, lights in the right place. Um, even looking to see if there's a little bit of a story that you can glean from the paint job and from the model itself. And so, but you know, standard things like mold lines and, glue spots and exposed cork create problems but um that's you're going to find those at any most at most painting shows etc but so yes you you are correct that it is a little bit more in the fantasy side that we have that painting standard um but the historical group is moving along that path yeah it's going to be pretty interesting uh, over the next couple of years, as things start to grow and the, some of the things that uh, they've talked about uh, over the last couple of meetings that I attended um, and how we're going to join these together, because it's going to be kind of difficult to have a, a, a general um, rubric for painting because historicals are much different. They're vehicles you can kind of get, but you see the you see the sci fi kind of painting and then you see the traditional scale model and they're kind of different they just approach it much differently uh they're trying to live in that atmosphere they're trying to make things as historically accurate as they can um and that that's going to be kind of interesting how we meld these two worlds together you know uh i'm sure it'd be very difficult for a um a gundam uh judge to go into tanks and try to judge that because they're just completely different in the way that they do it same with Mike and I when, you know, for us to go over to do um, flat tens or to go to, you know, um, Napoleonic, you know, historicals, we would probably have a hard time because we'll be looking at it like like we do our science fiction and fantasy figures 
where their approach is much different. And I might not be like, hey, that dude's uniform blue is much different than it's supposed to be. So let me deal right. on that. Those are the um, wrong color and, buttons, right? Yeah. yeah they and, uh, of which I heard that conversation <laughs> that weekend. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting because how, how the judges that are traditionally used to that, if they start to look and expand um, their repertoire, how, how are they going to judge, you know, a space Marine? You can't say, well, that's the wrong color gray or wrong color blue. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah, it could be, but we also paint things much differently. Um, so it's going to be kind of interesting. I am, I'm pretty excited about what, how this is going to transition over the next couple of years um, mm-hmm. with, with this. And I know that the guys talked about some really interesting stuff, um, like how they want to process things and how they want to move forward. And uh, maybe they'll take some advice from a scrappy old uh, fantasy sci-fi painter, or maybe just throw me in a trash can like everyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what the interesting aspect too, and the um, mech is it mech madness is what Nick... I think that's it. Yeah, I think that I think that's so. Thing, yeah. Nick Strokia uh, is a member of the group. He runs the mech madness, and it's a Gundam um site a lot of a lot of good work on that those instagrams so if people can check that out but uh he and i were talking a little bit too that we've noticed and even in this few years of gundam being a part of ipms being part of um the national capital model soldier society in their painters division the amount of contrast is pop starting to pop now in gundams and so it's really an interesting thing to see and it kind of looks different than it looks better, but it looks a little bit different than I would have expected contrast to look on it. So even their style of creating con they're adapting that concept of contrast and into a more Gundam style of painting, which is kind of fun to see. Um, it's hard to put it in words without visuals. Um, is this the kind of harsh lined cartoon comic book two tone look? No, no. Um, this is the gradiated shadows. There was a beautiful uh, one this yeah, weekend that it's, had these. It's really interesting. Um, I have, I think I've only seen a couple like really super high quality pieces that do this. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, modulated painting, which normally you would see a Gundam and, you know, they're a solid color and they have natural shadows just because that's how the style developed. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of interesting stuff. And they're in the same category as like that one red metallic one that was nothing was at it. It was just this beautiful candied coat on a Gundam. Um, and I'm pretty sure I wish I would have known what they got, but I'm pretty sure it had to have been at least a silver or gold because that was a really high quality one right next to um, that tan one that had that gradiated uh, modular painting on it that were completely different scales, different everything, but they were both beautiful in their own way. It was really interesting. And that would be really that's, difficult to have to judge that. Yeah, that's really cool. I I have attempted that in the past, the kind of modular highlights on Gundam, and it's it is very challenging because those surfaces, the individual surfaces, are actually quite small. So you're doing a lot of masking and a lot of individual work to get that effect. And my experience has been that the the Gumpla community doesn't actually appreciate it all that much, nor apparently does whatever bird that's in that tree. <laughs> Um, Say, just for up, a point of reference to the <laughs> listeners, Dan and I are stuck in our like holes 
somewhere in our houses, whereas Deb is sitting out in the woods, uh, drinking beer in a know, sunny day. Capture this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm actually that's not a bad idea. I'm gonna Cold take a cup of now. Yeah, I'm gonna take a picture of this. Hold on one second. I mean, you could just do a screen cap with the computer. I know, you could just do a screen capture app. I'm going to do both to see which comes out better. (laughs) Do it one more time. Hold on. There we go. Because now i got to remember to paste it. Um, (laughs) I don't know what that bird is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I should really put put myself on mute. That's all right. No, I apologize, Deb. I interrupted you. So, well... Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've always felt the Gundam community doesn't appreciate that style. It's always been very much about the either flat, you know, flat colors seem to be well regarded or that two-tone color gradation mm-hmm. um, with, you know, the harsh shadows and stuff and the maybe the black lining. Um, so it's it's interesting to see that there is some appreciation in your area, at least for the, the modulation. Yeah, all of it. I, there, it's it's interesting. I, I'm 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 excited about how things are evolving. I'd like to see more uh, train people involved and ship and boat people. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, that's really interesting because I I noticed that also like planes, uh, ships, and that's why I was kind of wondering because this is really different than IPMS. Yes, um, it is. Uh, leaps and bounds different and it's not for a bad it's just that's why i was wondering and asked that question like is this a really like developed system or is it just kind of like slowly growing from just miniature figure uh painters um and if that's the case eventually they'll have to come up with you know um a separate category for cars and a separate category for airplanes i don't think they're quite there yet no Um, yeah but uh I, i i can't imagine it being too far along because they did pretty good this year. They had, they had some decent growth. Um, mm-hmm. So next couple of years, it should be. Um... Right. And there's just an ordinance category, Deb. It's not. It, so it, it's a figure painting show, whereas IPMS is not. It is. Uh, scale modeling. Yeah. Scale modeling. Right. And so yeah. um, I, honestly, I think they need to have a separate bust category um, instead of just historical painters, historical open. I think they should have separate. A bust should be separate. Because I judging a bust and a seventy-five millimeter figure are not the same thing. Not the same <laughs> I know, that's that is true. That is true. And so when when somebody does a nice, beautiful display, because there's no limits on the numbers you can put in, um, and so they'll put a whole display together that's got two busts, uh, seventy-five, two seventy-five millimeters, a fifty-four millimeter, and a thirty-two millimeter figure in it, and you're like, huh? How do you decide which one is the best of these? Because you can only judge one of the figures or one of the pieces. Yeah, right. And so it creates that kind of like moment of, well, I guess which one jumped out at me? What's the first one we saw? And we'll take a look at that and see if that's the best painted or, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to kind of use, they don't often do um, a gold for their entire presentation. It has happened, but it's not something that it's not something they're encouraged per se. And honestly, I, I can't I can't lie. I don't think I, I've seen very many that I would even consider that for. Uh, there's usually uh, definitely e- relatively easy to find differences between the quality of pieces that people enter. Um, so we had tons of vendors. You've already talked. You need to let your voice rest, Mike. 
Um, so there were tons of vendors uh, because it's a scale model um, place uh, or uh, a con, I guess, or show would be a better term for it. They have a huge section of vendors. Most of them are going to be uh, scale models, lots of airplanes, lots of tanks. Um, there's some very, um, I, I'm not going to say like niche model makers, but like like that one that has like, so Gundam, we talked about Gundam a lot. So there was a, there was a table or two that have like high quality, I guess, perfect grade or something Gundam. Um, but they would also have some really high quality uh, planes and tanks uh, from from companies and manufacturers I don't know but uh, the prices are pretty steep and uh, the uh, the box art is pretty phenomenal um, we um, we had um, geez uh, what was the one gentleman uh, we had 3d samurai Luis he was there right the guy who sculpted um, our trophies. The, he's the guy who sculpted uh, the monster um, he was there and he had some pretty cool stuff. Um, it was interesting getting his take on coming to a figure um, show and trying to sell some of his things. Um, he was <laughs> well, just trying. He was just trying to, yeah, trying a couple. He was trying a couple things out. He just touched testing the waters a little bit um, to see if what the interest is in some of his sculpts. But uh, he where did you really buy the two Taliban and the bumper car? Yeah, which I'm still trying. It's like a puzzle. It's like one of those puzzles that you get, like trick puzzles that you buy from like Target or something before Christmas. Mm -hmm. I spent like an hour and a half trying to put those two dudes in there today. I was like, I can't figure it out. So I gotta, I gotta, I'm just gonna take one of the guys out and just have the dude who's driving and then put some extra stuff in the, in the side and uh, paint that up. That'd be kind of, but you need to have the other guy hanging off the back. I could. I like know, listen, I'm sure I could have a story about that. Um, and the other one he had was the bazooka folder, the photo, the one from the bazooka. He folder. had yes, he has. Uh, there's a World War II photo of a guy who's got a bazooka that's up to his crotch, and his buddy's holding it. It's kind of right. that's kind of a classic, kind of funny thing from World War II. So we actually there's actually a sculpt for that. So that was pretty cool. Um, he has some. World War II German maidens, I guess you would call different uh, levels of dress. Um, lots of tanks and airplanes. Um, uh, I think one of the things that was kind of funny, and I don't know if Mike, if you were around, but he was really concerned because uh, I asked him, I was like, how many of these figures are you selling now? So he has um, like a, a bust of a towel and he has a bust of, I, I don't know. Is it like, um, uh, a, maybe a sister's a battle type and she has a chain sword. Uh, so he has, he has space, you know, those kind of, uh, things. Um, so I asked him like, you know, how things are going. And he's like, I'm real. I don't understand why no one is buying these things. And he had a couple people that were, that were, they came up to him, asked him why they were pre-painted. So he was, we were talking and I think it dawned on him and me too, that, he was trying to just uh, highlight um, pieces, you know, just trying to do a simple zenithal just to um, show some of the, uh, I guess, textures. And people thought that they were finished paints or, fainted, or painted figures. So people, they were like, well, why would you repaint? Why would you paint this? And he's like, well, they're not painted. This is just an example. I'm just putting highlights on things. So, um, 
it was it was kind of interesting to hear some of these conversations and come to the conclusion that people thought that they were actually painted when his display pieces were just highlighted so you didn't see this blob of dark gray you at least had some kind of um you know volumes painted into it i thought it was kind of interesting um but there was him uh we missed the guy who does all the um um plinths who yeah, i Jacob really Hansen. really wanted him to show up but he was up in he's long in new island. jersey or something long island so so the uh hurricane kind of messed up his thing but he has really inexpensive really cool plinths and i was going to buy a bunch of those because i wanted to start using some of them um he uses really cool woods and things like that and then we had uh, what's uh, I forgot his name from Scale seventy five was there, but he was there for the Preservation Society. Well, and BM uh, B Miniatures is a and his his yeah. reseller a seller. So uh, Brian, uh, one of the owners of Scale seventy five, flew up and hung out in uh, at the show too. He actually, I guess, he goes to quite a few historical shows too. So yeah. Um, so it was cool to talk to him for a couple minutes and just, uh, you know, you know, invite him to some other shows in our area and, um, have him laugh because it's too far away, but I get right. that. Um, but he did some cool stuff up in Gettysburg and he talked about some, he had some really neat stories to share about that. Cause he's pretty passionate about his, the historical part and he does use, um, miniatures for that. And I think that's kind of cool, cool right. thing. Well, I guess the next quick thing with it would be be oh yeah um this year for the first time they actually had demos um and so one hour long stints i think there were four um and i cannot remember all of them i know there was a weathering one provided by amps which is the armor uh armor model preservation society armored something along those lines um then uh one of the guys from our group a guy named bob prokoff did a, a resin casting demonstration um then they had an ipms grandmaster that i have to look up his name that did uh whatchamacallit did a lights and shadow demo and then uh zach uh and i did a demo on using inks for painting um and so using acrylic inks and painting and i was actually surprised we had about i, I don't know if you saw the table we had about 25 30 people yeah the there were quite a bit of people there and they were asking good questions yeah. and um because they they just don't see paints being used the way we do and mm -hmm. so mike was doing some airbrushing and, and showing them some, a couple of techniques it was kind of neat to you know to, to hear them ask questions because some of them were older and they just you know they're used to like old school, like, Hey, I used, you know, turpentine and, you know, an oil and that's how I used to do things. How in the world can you do that with like acrylic? You know, that's, it's almost foreign to them. It's, it's really kind of odd, just like it is for us. We're like, what you used oil. That's silly. Um, even though we're, you know, we, I think some of us do use that, but yeah, when I did this, it was uh, Zenithal prime on the model. Like uh, I, I took white ink and did the Zenithal prime on a uh, black, prime model i i i think people's minds were like kind of blown a little bit and i'm like to me this is sold so, so second nature this is how i paint you know what i mean and then i took a contrast paint and airbrushed over that and they kind of saw the immediately that they already have three colors up on a model and work and it was just kind of like everybody was like you know <laughs> And I'm like, well, if you wanted to keep this and go tabletop, you just paint in the details and you're done, right? Your speed painting is yeah. done, you know? 
And so it was cool. It was definitely interesting. But I guess mm -hmm. this is a good lead into the talking about the painting contest overall. No, you, I thought and, we already talked about it, but sure. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I want to. I, I <laughs> All right. So, Dev, will you explain kind of the 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 shit we switching to? Yeah, that was what happened with the IPMS, and we're not okay. So, so we're not talking about holding been, the tank, right? The topic we've been dancing around here uh, <laughs> is actually not NCMMS related. MCMSS related at all um this is uh, another group if you guys are a fantasy war gamers none of this is probably going to mean a whole lot to you but another group that um i'm a member of uh, mike is a member of i think dan you may not be but uh this is a an international group called the international plastic modelers society or ipms uh, and specifically ipms usa had their nationals um in texas uh, earlier this year, I think in August. Uh, and the Nationals is always a huge show. It's like, a, it runs over three days. Um, there are thousands of models brought to enter. A plethora of categories, uh, different clubs and things will sponsor different categories. There are vendors galore. Uh, it is quite the event. And if there's ever one anywhere near you, you should definitely go and check it out. But uh, this particular year has seen two uh, fairly big controversies kind of reach the ears of even those of us that didn't attend this year. And I didn't, I don't think any of the three of us went this year. Uh, although um, I am president of my local club and several of my club members did go. Um, and although they weren't directly involved in any of what we're about to talk about, uh, it has been a topic of conversation in, I think, every IPMS club in the nation at this point. Um, so the first controversy was regarding a judge holding a model in a, <clears throat> a less than wise position uh, above their head to try and look at the underside of the model in a, an angle that was not particularly good. And although I don't have the photo in front of me, if I'm going off of memory, the judge was also not wearing a glove. So... This is bad practice for IPMS judging. I realize that for figure painters, like some handling of the models is somewhat expected, um, but it is generally considered uh, to be not done in, in IPMS judging um, unless absolutely necessary. And it should be the head judge or, or the head of the category that does it if that happens. And uh, this photo seem to indicate that there may have been a little bit more blase about it. I know of at least one modeler whose model was broken by some by a judge dropping a flashlight on it. Um, apparently, from folks who were there, there was actually a lot of damage done to a lot of models uh, during the judging process um, to the extent that note cards were left out. And, and so you could very quickly get a sense of how many models were, were damaged. So that was the original issue that kind of came to light. But um, in the last couple of weeks, um, another issue has kind of reared its head. And I think that was the one that we really wanted to dive into. Um, which regards um, an accusation by one of the judges um, that they're judging in a particular category. Let me give you specifically in class six space and science fiction vehicles, category 608, science fiction and fantasy subjects, mecha, robots, etc. 
from kits. Um, so literally the oh, mecha oh, category. So before you head on to that, do you have just off the top of your head how many different categories there are? Uh, I do not. No. Um, so I can give you a, a kind of a guideline for this. So I said that there are typically thousands of entries. Um, generally speaking, in, in IPMS shows, in IPMS contests, if a category kind of gets to be more than about 20 entries or so, um, the judges will generally endeavor to split the category. So a common way of doing this is, is if you've got uh, World War II aircraft in 172nd scale, um, single propeller, right? That's, that's a fairly common category, right? So that's your Spitfires, your Hurricanes, your P-51s, uh, your Corsairs, like all of that kind of, you know, World War II fighter planes, right? In 172nd scale, which is a fairly small scale, if that is a bloated category, which it can often be uh, in even in local shows, it may get split into, for instance, Axis and Allies. So you'd kind of split off the Spitfires, the Hurricanes, the P-51s, and then you'd split off the Messerschmitts and the Focke-Wolfs and those into two separate groups. And you can kind of break down a little bit more like that, go nation-specific or maybe go time period, bit, narrow down the time periods a little bit. Um, so the result is that you do often have quite a lot of categories. Um, and in IPMS judging, it is a podium finish. So there's a first, a second, and a third. Uh, and everybody else in the category gets bupkis. Okay, 200 categories. Is that what you got, Dan? Okay. Yeah, it's like so, 196. So, okay. Yeah. Um, that's quite a bit. And, you know, as Dev <laughs> was just, just saying, an award show. Holy crap, they take forever. <laughs> it must have a whole day just for the award show. Oh, but we'll let Dev co explain uh, more of that information. More of that. Yeah. Thing. So the award show is a big deal. Um, it's a kind of dinner and awards. Um, I think it's faced some of the concerns that we saw at Reapercon with regards to how long do we make it? How much do we, how much time do we spend on all of these things? You know, a lot of concern with people just straight up leaving before the awards show if they know that they haven't got anything, um, that kind of thing. Uh, but circling back to this particular issue, one of the judges in this category um, put on Facebook that um, the judge's decision was changed after the fact, uh, which is a serious accusation um there is quite a lot to the story um the <laughs> so um the process of judging in ipms is there's typically a team of three judges for each category um those judges will review the pieces they will you know confer they'll they'll make their decisions on first, second, and third, basically. Um, and uh, as I understand it, and bear in mind that I wasn't there, so all of my knowledge is second or third hand, um, a judge from another category came over to the judges and pointed out an entry that, that they thought should deserve a little bit more attention. Um, and this kind of, this happened, and then 
the kind of category head judge, so the sci-fi fantasy head judge kind of was also pushing that other entry. Um, and eventually the three judges shifted around their decisions. They put this entry that they'd previously not placed into second place. Uh, and they filled out their judging sheet and they all signed it. And that is what you do in IPMS judging is you will list the top three and each of the judges involved will sign it to kind of so that everything is transparent. Um, as it happened, one of those judges had stuck around after the judging and uh, was taking some photos of, of models or something, um, came back to look at the judging sheets, flicked to the judging sheet that they'd just judged, and saw that in black Sharpie, um, second place and first place had been switched. So this entry that the three judges had originally not deemed worthy of a podium position had now been put in first place. The judge raised this with the committee that oversees the judging, uh, and basically nothing was done about it. They saw nothing wrong with it, and that is the point at which this judge has kind of started bringing it into public light. Um, obviously, all of this is a very single-sided story. Um, the IPMS, to my knowledge, and I may have missed something because I haven't been following it in minute detail, but to my knowledge, they've not really spoken publicly about what happened. Um, but, you know, there is an actual photo of the judging sheet with the Sharpie markers over it, shifting things around, which is not something I have ever seen on a judging sheet in an IPMS show. Um, so my inclination is to believe that the, the original judge's story, that this is kind of how it happened. And I'm not sure whether I take as much issue with that fourth place going to second place, although judge bullying is something that does happen that I've witnessed that I think most everybody that's judged more than a couple of IPMS shows has, or judged more than a few times in general, because this is not a problem unique to IPMS. Um, judge bullying is definitely an issue. Um, so that that is one piece, but to have a judging score sheet changed after the judges have signed off on it is alarming to me. Um, this has been a big topic of conversation over the last few weeks uh, in local clubs. I know one club already that is um, removing themselves from the IPMS uh, organization and, and going to be striking out on their own. Uh, it is a conversation in our club as well. Um, wow, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty drastic. That's, um, yeah, I know that's, um, something serious to consider, but to pull out of an organization, um, as strong as that organization is, uh, that's pretty, um, yeah, that's pretty, I guess, interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how, what kind of words I would have for that. I will say that this is not the only reason they're doing that. Um, this club has been considering it for a while. Um, the IPMS have put their foot in it a few times in the last year. Um, I think this club in particular, because this is a club that um, uh, kind of stopped functioning for a while and then was resurrected. And because of that, doesn't really have much in the way of funds, doesn't have much in the way of support other than what the rest of the, the region's clubs kind of 
give to it you know we've helped them out a few times with various things and like especially our club and their club are very very closely tied we kind of founded originally at a similar time and are fairly close geographically by california standards so we have quite a lot of overlap um they've been discussing it for a while there are a few things that are particularly at issue for that club a lot of the club members are predominantly sci-fi and fantasy um the historical piece is a minority group in that club um but that's not reflected at a national level despite some token gestures in that direction um additionally they are really you know tired of the podium finishes they want open judging or even no judging at all right so another group the nmms which are automotive builders they will hold a show there's a huge one down in uh in the south of the bay area san francisco bay area hundreds of of models put on display no judging people just put models on display and you know oftentimes the model makers will kind of hang around and people will share ideas and and somebody will go like how on earth did you get that that beautiful paint job on that and they'll they'll tell you you know i use this and then i use this a couple of really thin coats of this whatever it is right just yeah. knowledge sharing more like a, a typical club meet but just at a much bigger scale yeah that reminds um, me of um when we go to the ipms um show down in richmond mike and i have gone a couple times there's that um there's that group and they have the cars and they have them all laid up on a table and they're they're not they're not out there to be judged or anything they're just on a table and they just talk to people so yeah that's pretty cool yeah. that's pretty cool yeah so i think that club has kind of been facing this decision for a while and and this i guess was ultimately the straw that broke the camel's back um it's definitely causes me concern um i'm not likely to enter nationals um, but you know, this is clearly happening at every level we have in our own local area, a club show that is notorious for favoritism in judging to the extent that a large number of us, even if we go to the show to show support for the club, will not enter the mm -hmm. contest because, you know, we just, we're not okay with the way the judging is run. And I think that club has seen that and has started to change things a little bit, but, um, these these things happen, um, but the reaction of the IPMS committee in particular has been concerning to me. Oof. Yeah, especially some the way some of the higher ups behaved online um, was rough, you know. And I, I know I missed a bit of that discussion because uh, I had to deal with some some family stuff really quickly. But uh, yeah, man. Um, I think the um, the sense that uh, you know the the senior leadership is circling the wagon uh, is yeah really concerning to me, and mm. that's very much the vibe I've gotten from the the comments that those members have put up online. It it sounds like it, and it's one of those things that's hard too. I know um, it's almost uh, you know I, I think things are. How do I say this the right way? Um, you get to a certain part in the Nova Open, Adepticon, ReaperCon thing where you start recognizing people's work. Um, so it's almost impossible for some form of anonymity in judging. Um, 
or you've seen it online. Uh, there's a lot of artists that po that are very prolific posts posters that put their stuff online. Um, I almost feel like IPMS might need to go to anonymity. You know what I mean? Like some form of where, because even at the Na National Capital Models show, it's not really anonymous because they put their papers with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. and so you can see the name and stuff. And so um, I would feel like I don't have a problem. Like, even if I see somebody's name that I know on a piece, I don't have an issue, honestly, evaluating it. You know what I mean? Like, that's never, I've never gone, well, this is this person, so maybe I should rate it a little bit higher. And I know people like, like, for example, like, I, I would, even if Eric coached me on a piece, I would have no qualms with him objectively judging that piece. But I know there's a comfort level of what other people, per, you know, in the government, working for the government, it's often the perception that's the problem, not the actuality. And I so, mean, also, it's often hard to be quite as objective. So the way that I would phrase this, that maybe it's, you know, this is not a conscious bias. This is a subconscious bias, right? Because... In the for instance, right? Say you had entered in Nova Open in the Masters category, we know Eric would judge, and you didn't. You weren't there, but had you had done that, we know Eric was judging, right? If he's been coaching you on a piece, he has insight into that piece that he doesn't have for other for other entries. He knows how much time you've put into it, how many revisions you've made, how far it's progressed from when he first saw it, and he may well upweight those things without really thinking about it just by virtue of the fact that he has that knowledge and he hasn't seen that process for somebody that was maybe coached by Kaha or you know mm -hmm. someone else that that has has potentially gone through exactly the same process but he doesn't he doesn't have that that history with the piece um and it's it's virtually impossible to counteract that and when you get to the highest levels it it very much is you know, a problem. Um, and, and in the IPMS, you know, we, you talk about recusing yourself if, if it's your piece, right. But in any judging scenario, we very rarely do that. If it's a piece we know about, we, we just kind of mm -hmm. judge, judge it as objectively as we can. For me, this is one of the benefits of having a rubric, but rubrics will only take you so far, right. When you get to master's levels in, in open judging, and I'm going to, I'm going to ignore podium judging because it's it's very difficult for me to justify podium judging in a form as subjective as, as what we have but mm -hmm. even in open judging right at the master's level the things that really start making the difference are ultimately personal preferences with regards to artistic choices right it's the old judging of van gogh versus a matisse versus a mondrian like how do you do that you can't, right? But if you've also got a little bit of knowledge of, of how they've worked on that piece or whatever, that starts making differences. And I don't think you can really ever completely uh, eliminate that effect. 
Right. And just, just to emphasize, that was totally a hypothetical because I also believe that Eric would recuse himself from judging it. You know, if he coached somebody on a piece, I think he would actually step away um, from judging it. So, um, and so that, that, that's just a, that, that was a hypothetical. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that I didn't think about it in that context of like having that personal history with what yeah. was going on in the piece. And um, even if it's just somebody they follow on Instagram, right. And they've watched six months of development of Instagram photos like that also becomes a factor. And it's like, I mean, really, I know some contests in the past, I want to say crystal brush, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Some contests in the past say like, you cannot enter a piece if it has been, you know, put out there publicly. Right. And I know that there are some artists that also don't like doing that for, for various reasons. Yeah, um, quite a I few. Also, yeah. Yeah. I, I tend not to post much of pieces that I want to put in for entry until after they've been entered into the primary contest that I'm painting them for. Right. Yeah. I might do an early, early work in progress picture, but once, once it's, hit the 25% mark, I typically stop posting anything about it because it's not going to look anything like it did at 25%. You know what I mean? But I don't post that. That's not a really risk. I don't post enough anyways. <laughs> I'm not as prolific as a poster as Dan is and all his, <laughs> his, uh, so chickens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't why don't we switch paces a little bit? Overall, I'll say that the the NCMS show was fantastic. Really uh, enjoyed being there, and uh, it grew. We're going to outgrow that hotel soon. Uh, yeah, that's not a joke. Yeah, <laughs> we can't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we filled up the the little awards area. They ran out of room on the table. They ran out of vendor space. There, they got a little bit of room for their figures for displaying, but. There's not much. There's not much. And I, if we can get to another venue, we can start doing classes, classes, which would be awesome. And I, yeah, we, we can talk about that during those, those meetings. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, Dev, you know, uh, I don't know what, if it's big enough to try to drag you across the coast for it, but if you accidentally schedule time in DC <laughs> in that area for work, uh, it would be a, it, it would be worth your while for your Saturday, um, but it's definitely yeah, it, and it's it, only one day long too. That's it; it's one day. Yep. I, yeah. I will see what I can do. Uh, yeah, I, it sounds like a lot of fun. I know Luis because I was chatting with him. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he felt it went pretty well for him as well, and that's obviously not the normal uh, kind of market for for uh, his kind of sculpts. So. Right, right. And he had yeah, just I'm... come back from PenCon, which is another IPMS show, a couple of weeks prior, and he did not, it did not go as well as he had hoped. <laughs> but everything's a learning lesson. Yep, absolutely. All right. So looking forward to next year's NCMSS show. But why don't we uh, start talking about stuff that's currently on our painting tables? Dev, why don't we start with you? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I put a few things into the notes that you guys have probably already read. So I've uh, recently been painting up some beautiful, beautiful uh, Conquest resin bases that Elric's Hobbies have been putting out. Uh, Steve was kind enough to send them over to me. I've been 
painting them, filming that, actually putting some content up on my YouTube channel recently and um, some well, Instagram That's right. Reels. You're back on YouTube. Yeah, that's I'm pretty back. cool. I'm back, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, that's actually just the first in a, a lineup of things I've got for, for the YouTube channel. Um, so I'm going to try and be a little bit more regular with that for, for folks that are interested. Um, they tend to be pretty, like, process focused um but those spaces are gorgeous they are absolutely phenomenal um they're always really well finished the inner bases so for those of you that don't know conquest there are kind of movement trays and you put the bases inside the movement trays and what elric's hobbies has done is put the whole made a, a, a sculpted resin base of the whole thing so you've got the the movement tray sculpted you've got the individual bases sculpted so you just kind of paint up your figures and, and paint up your base and you put them on and you've got a beautiful, uh, fully detailed uh, base. So I've been painting those up um, and they're kind of drop, the videos for those are dropping over the next few weeks. Um, I'm also doubling down on the Conquest. We've all agreed we're going to hit Adepticon next year. Um, screw Golden Demon, the contest I care about is Resin Beast. And... I have a unit of household cavalry, household knights, uh, from Conquest Hundred Kingdoms that I am painting up for Resin Beast. Um, I've got some plans that I'm pretty excited about for them. I am still prepping those models. I've probably spent 20 hours just like clean up, refining the sculpts, prepping them, um, getting towards the tail end of that now. And, um, I've got some uh, resin bases from Elrix to to put those guys on, and I'll do a little bit of bells and whistles on those as well to to take them up to the next level. So I'm really really excited about this project, and it's the first thing in a while uh, that I've done that I've actually maintained interest in for as long as I have. So fingers crossed, I can actually get a competition quality piece to to enter, uh, as opposed to my usual I get. 20% of the way there and then I'm like fuck it and just bang it out and submit it and not generally very happy um, but I've also been painting a few other 100 kingdom models just for putting on the other bases I've been doing because I uh, I really do love those sculpts I love normal humans in a faction I like imperial guard I like the old empire um, that kind of drudgery of the rank and file the kind of the meaningless peons um, in mass combat is kind of appealing to me. Um, but then the one other thing that I have had on my painting table taking up quite a bit of space for quite a while is my skater's helmet um, that I've been working on airbrushing up for, it feels like months now, um, but I've recently taken up roller derby uh, as a skating official and uh, I wanted to get uh, to paint up my helmet to match my uh, skater name, uh, so that has been a work in progress. That is it, denim. No, my skater name is Gravity Calls, um, because I am not very good at staying upright. Even Gra Gravity Calls or Gravity Falls. Well, that's the thing. It's Gravity Calls, and um, I'm painting my helmet up in like. The Gravity Falls kind of style, like a scenic, that's, like that Oregon is so landscape. Awesome! I look forward some, to seeing that. 
Yeah, I've Mike got some vinyl stickers. Show, it's awesome. uh, dude, it's my favorite. I love it so much. I've got some <laughs> vinyl stickers of Dipper and Mabel. I was going to try and freehand them, and the way stuff has gone so far, that's not a good idea. So <laughs> I'm, uh, That's great. That is fantastic. Yeah, it is. And then I'm going to do the Gravity Falls logo, but with like Gravity Calls instead on the front and the back. So That's great. Fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dan, I think you're next. Yeah, let's hear it, Dan. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not working on a whole lot um, except for my battle tech stuff. So I have a uh, tournament that I'll be going down to North Carolina, uh, Southern Assault number three. Uh, you guys hear me talk about this over the last couple of years. Um, so I'm trying to finish up my Wolf's Dragoons. Um, and uh, if you listen to our distant cousin show, um, the, uh, the armed painter, uh, Justin and I talked for quite a bit about putting together, uh, uh, a good Lance list or army list, uh, for, for this, uh, tournament coming up. Um, so I've been, uh, focused on that for a little bit. Um, I'm going to be, um, helping out with the paint competition. So Bobby is going to allow me to do that. We're going to be providing some swag. Uh, for those folks, uh, we'll uh, introduce what all that swag is, so no one gets a uh, um, gets a sneak peek just yet. But we have some st stuff for the folks, um, and we got uh, actually. I'm going to throw this out. Uh, Army Painter has, or the Army Painter has, um, uh, graciously uh, donated some prize support for a painting competition. Uh, so thank you, uh, Army Painter, for that. And um, that's about it. That's all I have time for. Uh, I'm making lots of um, like name cards, uh, doing some graphics and things like that. So I've been spending some time doing that uh, while uh, while waiting for the government to shut down, which mm. didn't happen. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> so I'll be doing that for the next while. But I'm concentrating on my uh, my wolf dragoons. I have um, about I got about ten mechs. I need to put uh, my decals on. And uh, put I gotta figure out my numbers because I have like fifty of these guys now, so I have to make sure I don't double use my numbers. So I have to go and categorize all the numbers that I've used in the past. Um, so I need to put those things on also. So that's about all that I have on my desk. Uh, once I'm done with this, I think I'm going to work on my conquest figure for Adepticon. Um. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Um, that's about all I've had time for the last couple of weeks. Um, I spent a lot of time, actually what I did do was spend an awful lot of time on the, uh, the figure that, uh, I threw at Mike, um, so that he can put on his, uh, wall of failure. And, um, so he, um, he owns, he owns the piece that I put together. Look, the base was a Tropicana top. So it can't be that good. <laughs> <laughs> that was my plith. It was made out of it. I just had to, and I had to sand the Tropicana off so it didn't show through the snow that I made. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have, I, I'll have to post a picture of that sometime. Um, painting all white on a white background on a white terrain was, was stupid hard. I did not enjoy that one bit. It was fun when I was done. <laughs> but white on white on white, um, it was, I went a little cartoony on it just to make sure that things were a little different. 
I did like the way the snow came out. It's so I was happy good. about that. I think they came out pretty cool. So I'm excited about that part. Um, so yeah, that's uh, what I've been involved with for the last uh, couple of weeks or so. Off awesome. to you, Mike. And it, it's uh, Dan painted as a gift for me a snow trooper in a snowball fight, um, which is a fun, a fun concept, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, and I was fortunately finally able to give him the mech. Uh, you know, for those who haven't listened, I painted a mech as a challenge from the Mech Bay podcast to do it in an artistic way. Did it with a two dimensional background. Uh, and they kind of absconded with that model, which was supposed to be Dan's Christmas present. Um, and so uh, I did another one for him. Finally got that to him with the background. It was based off the Mech Warrior online game uh, from way back, way, way, way back uh, colors and such. So that, and I entered that into the ordinance, which I know probably Battletech players are probably ordinance. Battletech miniatures go in character. I get it, but you know. Um, I'm dumb, so I put it in ordinance. Uh, and it got a bronze, I think, something like that. Um, yeah, it got a bronze. No, you got a silver on that one. Did I get a silver on that? And it was you a bronze and diorama then? I can't remember anymore. Yeah, and you got a silver and open, right? I got and a that... silver and open, and I got a bronze in tanks. World War II tank. <laughs> <laughs> So we finally got Dan to enter and he actually won some swag, which was awesome. You know, so he went home with some bling. Um, So anyways, what's on my table is finishing up the stuff for 3D Samurai, uh, 3D Printing Samurai. Um, Those are three models. They're just, uh, they're so big. Um, So they're taking a long time. And it's not that they're big like a dragon. They're people but they're 120 millimeter size figures actually i think the death guard woman might actually be substantially larger than 100 i'm gonna have to measure her because i think she's bigger than 120 um i have this week i will be handing over like getting rid of the lion commission uh so that that'll be good i'll be glad to have that off my plate i have a small little blood bowl commission to finish which is a relatively new one, which is all the Princess Bride minis. And I'm actually putting together a photo journal of it because I want to show people what I get and what they look like after I've stripped them and repainted them to a tabletop standard. Um, And so we'll have that. Hopefully that's within the next two weeks. And that's my cutoff for everything, Uh, everything out of my, house that isn't mine is by the end of October. So that way I can focus on pieces that I, I want to get back to. Uh, Vampire Hunter D is very far along. Um, and I want to get back to that. I want to get back to um, I'm actually when Dev came and crashed at my house, he looked at a piece that I did a while ago, a Stormcast uh, with some freehand on a shield and the NMM's okay. I actually have decided I might pick that model back up again and work on her and she might be a demon entry. Um, I don't know, uh, but I have some. Absolutely need to do that, man. You have to do that. That would be great. Yeah. And so she's, I would say she's probably demon wise. She would probably be about 70% done. Um, And so that's gives me a good launching head start. Uh, 
I have another Marine. I might, depending on where it goes, I, I want to focus on resin beast anyways, myself. I have a diorama idea that I've already sketched out. I actually knew what this diorama was. Uh, I sketched it out on the plane ride home uh, from Adepticon. Um, and so, well, not, uh, I sketched it out eating lunch before we got on the plane. Um, because Dan was off getting drunk with the mech bay guy. Um, <laughs> at a, on the way Are you talking about Adepticon last year? <laughs> well, this oh, year. That was this year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was this year. God, it feels like it was an eternity ago. It, it really does. And so, yeah, and I, uh, there's, I, I might print out, uh, I really liked one of Creature Caster's uh, STL releases. Um, and so I think I might print one of those out to do for a single mini entry for resin beast. We'll see though. I don't know. I'm just going to take it piece by piece and go and have fun. Um, but that, that's kind of it. That's on my, my plate. Um, and so I guess we switch now to what have we learned lately? Dan, have you learned anything new? So I did, but I, I really, um, uh, I guess, I guess I might as well talk about it. I wanted to not do a show about it, but I want to, this is something I went to experiment with. Um, but first is, um, uh, for the couple years we've been talking about 3d printing and not looking at sculpts or anything like that recently, and then going and looking for something there's a lot more stuff out there. So it's actually been kind of fun to just um, re-engage with 3D printing and seeing the cool sculpts that are out. Because Mike, you were talking about the STL for Resin Beast. Um, there's some really neat stuff out there. Uh, so I don't know if I'm necessarily going to jump into it, but um, it has been fun uh, while I'm doing regular work to look at just cool STLs and see what kind of imagination people have because I used to have an imagination and I have learned in the last couple of years that my imagination is nowhere compared to what these artists are able to do. It's pretty cool. So um, I like to search for things uh, online to help me grow. And one of the things I'm, uh, I've been trying to concentrate on is limited palette. Um, so I found someone who did a limited palette with two colors and I find it oddly satisfying and interesting that to use a warm color and a cool color and just use those two colors only to paint and then be able to, um, change those tones with just adding the white white and the black is fascinating um so that's something i think i want to experiment with at some point just for just for shits and giggles i think it'd be kind of fun but uh realizing that you know uh the limited palettes that i tried using before usually three colors but to see a two color one um it's just there's just such an interesting way to tell a story and i want to try to do that it totally ups my game a lot i'm probably skipping a couple chapters 
Um, but I think it'd be kind of fun to try. So that's, um, that is what I have learned lately. Um, on my end, not a huge amount of stuff painting wise. Um, I've, I think a lot of my learnings recently have been regarding the videography side, trying to get back into that YouTube thing, uh, starting to dabble into color grading video and things like that. Um, stepping up audio quality and things. Um, so I think that's really been where my main learnings have been. Uh, I think once I get these, um, this cavalry to uh, be primed and, and start working on it, then I'm really going to be pushing blends. Uh, I watched a really interesting video that uh, talked about glazing uh, recently, and I'm going to kind of keep dialing in and working on that. Well, what about was, you, Mike? Le, le, who, what video was it? Uh, I was vague because I don't remember. Um, oh, okay, may, that's fine. Yeah, it. That's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll try and find it, and I'll try and find it, and uh, jump back in in a second. Let me see if I can. Oh, no worries about it. You don't have to worry about it. Um, it's all good. Uh, me, a couple of things. Like one was remember, uh, remember Barry. Uh, so when Zach and I did the demo at. Uh, inks at the ncmss show um i he brought the ma the lar large masterson's palette that we were sharing and i forgot um about the masterson's paper um and so if if that it doesn't really work well with model paints and it certainly does not play well with inks Whew, i put that ink on and it was literally across the entire palette within 20 seconds I was like, well, damn, it's amazing for heavy body acrylics. Actually, I think that paper works better for heavy body or body acrylics than the, most of the crap that we get when we buy a wet palette kit for our, you know, the wet palette kits. Um, and so that was, a, that was a good reminder or, or, or a hazard thing. Um, probably one of the other things, uh, that I learned recently was the best way to learn how to paint fur on a flat surface is to watch canvas painters because they've got it so right on how you feel and it makes so much sense and getting away from the pointed pointed round brush like it's hard mentally for me to like not pick up a mini to pick up a miniature and not have a pointed round brush in my hand, but switching to filberts to chisels to using other shapes of brushes makes life so much easier. I even you have a dagger now, um, and so like and that's a that type of a brush that is, it, it's just look it up. Paintbrush dagger. It's a unique shape, hard to explain. It kind of looks like the hilt, the tip of a sword. Um, so it's kind of cool looking or tip of a dagger more appropriately. Um, and so using different shaped brushes, actually, it's just, it makes it so much easier to do, uh, build up fur and softness. And, you know, of course you will always go to that pointed round because that's where you're doing your final lines and stuff along those lines, but you don't, you don't have to use that fine, that rounded brush till almost the end. 
of painting natural, good looking fur. Um, and so, yeah, watch canvas painters. You're going to learn so much about painting fur on flat surfaces. Um, and so that's kind of, that. those are my kind of two big things. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of, that's all I got, gentlemen. Should we wrap this up? I guess we should. Um, I guess I got to think of something witty to say. Dev, did you fi did you figure out a thing that you want to do at the end? <laughs> I've still not actually. Uh, this this ending, I can actually tell you what the video was. The video was a uh, Juan Hidalgo video on glazing, obviously. Okay. Um, he, uh, it wasn't just his approach, but the like he's very specific in in the technique and and the state of the brush and the application and things like that in a very structured way that I really appreciate. Um, I've actually and, and watched that video. video. Just, it's hugely helpful. So, yeah, Juan Hidalgo's glazing video. Check it out. Yeah, and honestly, his videos are a great starting point for NMM, like different types of NMM, and just getting some of the basic concepts. They're not designed to be Golden Demon award winning, or, but they're perfect to get you started in the right path i actually enjoy his videos quite a bit although i do not agree with his hatred of blue but um <laughs> it's it seems to me to be obsessive at this point but you know anyways um he did have to i mean at some point it just becomes part of your identity right so you right. have to play into it whether you want to or not yeah <laughs> very true very very true so uh I guess, I guess mine will be, uh, no matter what, we'll never judge you on your way to become a better, braver, happier painter. See ya. Thank you so much for listening. A special shout out to our Patreons. Thank you very much for your support. And if all you others are inclined to do so, we'd love to have you as a Patreon also. Check out our link tree in the show notes for all our quick links. Email us at listeningtopaintdry at gmail.com. Tell us what you're working on or what cons you've been to or how you're doing. We'd love to hear from you. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry. We're also on X at Dry Listening. Like, subscribe, or follow us wherever you get your podcast. If you could also leave us a good review, we'd appreciate that. We'll be back soon with another riveting episode of Listening to Paint Dry. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.